Welcome to It Is What It Is, the podcast, with me, Danielle Bridge. On our show, we catch up with guests to talk about all sorts of things, including our job, mental health, relationships, and basically everything that we humans experience as we navigate through life. Today, my friend Jolene Ironside and I discuss childhood trauma, how to bring up resilient, confident children, all while navigating the difficulties of parenting. I'm here today talking to Jolene Ironside, who is a children and young person's emotional and well-being practitioner. A bit of a mouthful, but welcome, Jolene. Hello, Danielle. Thank you for having me on. Ah, it's a pleasure. Pleasure to ha- uh, finally get you on here. It's been a while. I've been trying very, very hard to get this off the ground, but it's been very difficult, but we've done it. So welcome. Thank you so much for your time. Um, so this conversation has been a long time coming and I know that we've been having our own conversations off of this platform for a very long time um, and I thought it'd be really important to be able to share your knowledge with people that are potentially listening to this podcast and I know that we've been discussing it over the past couple of years perhaps in terms of your journey and actually the subject matter today is childhood trauma and interventions through art So what I think would be useful for us to talk about today, first of all, starting is your career. How did you end up um, doing what you're doing now and in a roundabout way? Okay, so um, I started off um, as an accountant and programmer and then um, but in the background, I always had a massive interest in holistic therapies and I did a lot of training um, and was doing that kind of work alongside my programming then I had my children and was still continuing to use holistic therapies and have a look at the whole um, mind body and spirit and I found out about the relaxed kids which I then went on to training and started working working in schools and in the local community as a relaxed kids coach But And I saw an incredible, um, the benefit of these um, interventions, but I wanted to take the work deeper. So alongside the the children's classes, I trained in children's yoga and adult yoga and mindfulness for children and teens. So this helps, really helps with the well-being side of things. But again, I still had that real thirst for knowledge and for taking the work even deeper So I started, um, I'd been looking for courses for years and years and never quite found the right thing until I found the Institute of Art and Therapy and Education. Um, And I trained in the counselling skills for children using art, art therapy. So allowing children to speak through sand tray, music such as drumming, um, clay and drawing. And again, this kind of just left me wanting more seeing the results I I began using the counselling skills with the children that I worked with and found it incredible so that led me on to the course I'm currently studying which um, is for a diploma in teenage counselling because I started working with teenagers and found that to be um a group that's perhaps missed out Mm. so um so that was where my kind of that's where my path led me um and I started that course last year and the first module was um, trauma-informed schools Mm. which I've just completed um and 
what what an eye opener wow. that's been. Um, I've absolutely loved the course, but it's all about um, seeing beyond the behaviour and mm. finding out what the untold story is within absolutely. that person. Yeah. So you and I have discussed this uh, so many times in our, you know, our, our just our conversations in life. And we have discussed around the current models within schools, specifically about that whole, you know, naughty child punishment. Um, and you and I've also discussed the fact that there is normally always a reason for a child's behaviour and why they act out. So in terms of like the trauma that leads to children or young people behaving in such a way can you talk to us a little bit more about those in terms of what types of trauma it is that you've been uh, learning about yep so um the types of trauma that children experience yeah so we, we talked about the adverse childhood experiences etc and the five personal childhood you know uh types of trauma that they might they might come up against Yep. So there was a um, a huge, uh, the biggest public health study of all time was the adverse childhood experiences study, um, and they they have they have increased the questions to that. But based on this information, um, there's five personal um, traumas in childhood before the age of eighteen. So such as emotional abuse, emotional neglect physical abuse, physical neglect, and sexual abuse. Mm -hmm. And then there's five other um, related traumas related to other family members. So maybe the loss of a family member due to depression, mental illness, mm -hmm. um, the loss of a parent or parent separation, so divorce, um, a family member being addicted to drugs or alcohol, and witnessing violence, domestic violence, having a family member in jail. So each in the study, each type of these traumas counts uh, as one mm -hmm. towards an adverse childhood experience. And the more the more they score on there, the more likely is that they're going to have trouble um, yeah. learning at school because they're they're under high levels of stress at that point. So to go into school, which could be their safe place. We mm. don't know, you know, home might not be a safe place for them. So school is that safe place, but they're gonna have difficulties learning, being able to concentrate because when do they get to relax if they can't relax at home in, their, in the safety of their home or they have got these things going on around them, which is when you might then start to see the behaviours, um, you know, violent behaviour, bullying, aggression, maybe some being given the diagnosis of ADHD. Mm. Um, and it could be due to traumas that have never been spoken about. Yeah. And that's the difficulty, isn't it? I suppose, because we almost have this expectation that if a child is going through something difficult at home, there could be other uh, factors, contributing factors to that, where perhaps people at school might be getting involved, um, that the family might be known to social services because of some of those things that you discussed in terms of trauma. But sometimes that's not very apparent. Sometimes that's not very clear. And therefore, if a child is then picked up for those behavioural traits within school, then they're normally led down a behaviour uh, path of, of punishment. And 
it's very interesting because um, you talked earlier on a minute ago, sorry, Jolene, about a safe space. And I remember with Sebastian, my child, my 12 year old, um, getting into teenage years and I'm quite petrified of being a teenager. <laughs> and it's my my listeners might understand it's because I was a teenager once. <laughs> <laughs> um, and you know it wasn't too bad but I, it was a difficult time of my life you know being a teenager I think it's quite difficult anyway um and so you know with me being quite scared of Seb like pushing boundaries and you know acting out sometimes and I remember speaking to somebody a lady called Linda um who said to me Danielle if if they're behaving uh challengingly at home um, and yet when they leave their house, they are polite and they are, you know, really, really good kids outside of your home and you're doing something right. And that and I and I that stayed with me for a long time because she said if they're safe at home to be able to feel loved, even if they do push those boundaries, then you're doing a really good job. And I, I kind of held that in good stead, you know, for, for mm-hmm. me and my parenting. Um sometimes children don't get that opportunity to push boundaries and to be everything that they are at home you know for whatever reason Um, and therefore they then tend to or could potentially act out when they're at school so that leads me to the next part of, of of our conversation which is about schools and I know that some schools operate a more holistic approach but some schools are quite archaic in their punishment still of bad or what we deemed as difficult behavior so what do you think needs to be done in terms of educating within a school environment Jolene? Um, so it's well if you think about it so um, I'm just going to go back to your example I will answer your question but Mm. your example of um, Sebastian you know being um, good at school and and out in the community and then when he's at home that's where you see the boundary pushing Mm. and if you think about so you can understand that and you can help him and you can work through it so if you think about that for a child who at home can't do that where's their where's their behavior is going to come out at school isn't it Mm. So if at home they've got to be, you know, they might have to be the quiet child, the one that keeps everything okay at home so they don't upset anybody. But somewhere that behaviour will come out. And if it's mm. at school and then they then get punished at school and then they go home and be punished, where where's the safe space for them? Yeah. So children, so that was just to reflect on, on what you were mm. saying. Oh, thank you. There. Um, so children spend about 190 days at school and and a lot of schools now they do have a school counsellor coming in Mm -hmm. um, but they can only see a few children at a time and it's usually the ones that are flagged up isn't it so Mm -hmm. but there might be children um, who have got stuff going on at home and they they don't have anybody to talk about so by educating um, teachers or having an emotionally available adult at school just to help unpick why these behaviours are happening or giving a child a space to talk can help them go on to be um, you know better learners at school because they feel that they've got somebody there who's making a difference in their life so Mm. There's a lot of research to show, you know, teachers say, well, we didn't come into the profession to be mental health experts. Yeah. And, yeah. and and that that's OK. Are they, but they also feel they're not skilled enough to be able to talk to a child, say, like about self-harm. 
for there's always that feeling of opening up conversations are you opening up a big can of worms yes yeah and you know by educating um teachers or having emotionally available adults at school it's not you're not asking them to be psychotherapists because mm. you you can refer the child on if you need to but quite often they just need somebody that can hear them and mm. can see them and allow them to whatever's troubling them underneath that's perhaps causing them to act out in the classroom or not achieve the things you know they're capable of achieving you know it's it's about having that protective factor mm. and that can make a big difference to to a child before the age of 18 so that's kind of where having that awareness of an attachment aware school can change a child's brain biochemistry wow. if they feel safe at school then you're helping them to reduce the toxic stress chemicals which helps reduce anxiety and you know a lot of aggressive behavior is is masking anxiety a lot of the time uh, and you're encouraging their care see their seeking systems as well so it's just about changing instead of instead of punishing the behavior it can be about increasing the pro-social chemicals in a child's brain and when they have those the the aggression will naturally um, decrease you're listening to it is what it is the podcast we hope you're enjoying this episode as we strive to bring you interesting conversations about the things that really matter if you'd like to hear more, please subscribe. But for now, let's get back to that conversation. It's interesting, actually, because while you're talking, I'm thinking about kind of a school's responsibility currently with what they have. And they have safeguarding, don't they? So there is safeguarding abilities at school. And, you know, if, if you feel that a child is in danger at home, um, then you are, you are, it's, you, you know, it's, it's your right. You have to be able to report that. Surely this kind of um, emotional intelligence just goes hand in hand with that and maybe perhaps on a little bit more of a deeper level and it's interesting you talk there about people not wanting to open up a can of worms or maybe that they feel that they are not uh, qualified enough to open these conversations but ultimately it comes down to just having open dialogue and a little bit more education around that nurture uh, position at school um what 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 do you think of that yeah absolutely all, all the what you're doing is is giving the tools for um like what you would hope for a better parent to be mm. so it really is around um it, it is around that nurture um I think because it you know it, it could be that somebody just has something very little that's on their mind but it is causing them a lot of worry and a lot of anxiety and they can't concentrate on it. And just by having those open conversations um, can, make, can make a huge difference. Yeah. And actually, it, we, we're talking about schools and education who could be taught this. But I mean, let's face it, having children, there is no rule book. <laughs> It's no. not even an instruction <laughs> pamphlet, you know. I'd be, I'd be okay with just a one sheet flyer, you know. What is that doing? I don't need an, in, you know, an in depth. But even you know, us parents who 
and we're all doing our best you know we're all doing our best and and actually sometimes people might get it wrong by that lack of education or the lack of children not being aware or not understanding or not being important enough you know wait until they're old enough then they'll understand and you know I, I, I speak about it now and one of my biggest kind of driving factors is that one day I'm going to have to answer to my children one day my kids are going to ask me questions as to why I did what I did as their mom why I made decisions that I made you know I do genuinely believe that because I have the same kind of thought processes around the parenting that I received you know and I and my mom is just the most wonderful woman ever just so everybody does know that but you know you question why why people do parent the way that they do or why they behave the way they do and there's always a story there's always a reason why and so maybe educating parents and educating the education system needs to happen kind of in tandem perhaps or you know do we need to go into that much level of detail will people just find their own way uh do they do we really need prescriptive parenting and education systems is it that important that we you know that, that we intervene that much or is it is it just life right um yeah I hear what you're saying and and you know the the thing is it is we are we are all doing our best. We are doing our best. And we're doing our best to be a good enough parent. And that's, you know, we're not asking for perfection or anything here, but it's more around um, schools perhaps that use isolation mm-hmm. as their punishment for behavior. You know, if somebody's put into isolation, that's not gonna make them, <laughs> It's, yeah. it's not it's not going to make them reflect on the behavior they've done understand why they did it it's just going to make them feel worse mm. and it's it's that's what you kind of want to move away from um, and just having that understanding of you know in the teenage years what's happening there to their brains um you know <laughs> I, I i find i when as I'm studying this course and I think okay that's going to be really helpful like I I didn't know that the alarm system in the teenage brain grows three times the size when they become teenagers so they will be reactive Mm. and you know it's it's things like that and they their their brains are designed to push their parents away because they're getting ready to go out into adulthood so they actually have to so it's when you know things like that and you can understand and you give them the space to tell their story surely you know the relationships between everybody are are naturally going to be more peaceful and happier because of of having an understanding so it's not about going in and pointing out or you do you shouldn't have done this you shouldn't have done that because it's it's really not that way at all because we are doing our best but being able to understand why somebody behaves the way they are to then be able to help process and reflect on it yeah. it's all helping to grow the the brain it's um I just I think it's incredible when you have that understanding yeah yeah absolutely I agree and I always think you know it is one of the most important things to be able to try and listen and understand and there's something that I've always taught um on all of the courses and that it's my favorite sentence uh which is seek first to understand before seeking to be understood and I think that 
also plays into our young people. You know, I'm, I know for a fact that Seb's come home sometimes from school and said, you know, they didn't listen or they just said, told me off for something and it wasn't my fault and I didn't do anything. And he he almost feels this really big sense of injustice. And the teacher just ignores his plea because that's what, you know, he's the student, they're the teacher. And so therefore, I suppose what they say goes. And it's always quite a difficult conversation to explain to him that sometimes adults get it wrong and sometimes adults aren't listening as much perhaps as they should do but for him it would be really useful to be able to just have his voice you know just to just to be heard (laughs) yeah 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 yeah. it's it's true and and also you know um I you know I've done it in my sessions I've got stuff wrong and and just and by saying to whoever I'm working with you know did I get that wrong? Adults sometimes get things Absolutely, wrong. Absolutely, yes. Um, and, you know, and you see, you literally see their shoulders drop down and mm. they can say, yeah, actually you did. And, it, you know, it, it changes the whole dynamic. So, as I say, I mean, teachers have got a lot of work to do I'm not yeah teachers absolutely I agree yeah yeah um so I just think having um have you know well we've spoken about the alternative schooling and things like that Mm. haven't we but Mm. you know having that um or, or having somebody being able to see what's going on with different behaviors I think mm. is would be really helpful because actually you'd probably then see your educational rates and everything increase when you've got yeah. happy happy children that absolutely. feel absolutely yes and you know we have talked about it thank you for bringing it up we have talked about and again I, I'm really glad that you reiterated it because I'd like to reiterate that again teachers are doing their best you know they are an absolute asset to our education system and you know, I can't speak any more highly of them. However, I think the issues that is that I have, and I know that you and I have, have expressed this together, is that the education system itself from a from a top level position needs to be overhauled to look at um, the emotional needs and the emotional intelligence of our students way more than the potential academic attainment of our students, you know, for all these paperwork, because it's failing, you know, it mm. is failing, I can see that, you know, and I, I don't work in education in that sense, but I do certainly work with a number of of, of adults <laughs> who have been through the uh, education system to kind of you know to, to look at the things that could have been done. And I, I you know, it, I've always said that to you, haven't I? If you always do what you've always done, you'll always get what you've always got. And we've got problems um, mm. educate you know emotionally with our adults who have been through the education system. Things such as bullying or you know not being listened to or the things that that, that have affected them whilst they're at school. So I do think it is an it is a whole education uh, overhaul necessary. But I think it's a very very big job. And perhaps there's the oh, reason yeah. why it's never been done. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it is it is getting done. It's um you know I, I think having that education of of what punishments and things like has brought up earlier isolation what that does to somebody might make you think oh maybe that's not such a mm. <laughs> that's not the that's not the best way to go because you know schools want to get the best out of the children don't they mm. Mm. so if helping them recover from stresses and things if that's going to help them then surely that's better for the school rather than just keep on punishing. Mm, 
and that child just bounces from punishment to punishment to trauma to punishment and yeah they grow into adults with all of those you know existing issues into into adulthood so yeah it's um there's a lot of work that needs to be done I would imagine a lot of work so that actually leads us on to the final part of our uh, conversation Jolene which is the type of work that you do um currently who is it that you are kind of providing this work with where can people find out about what it is that you do how can people access your services um so i'm i'm working for schools in cambridgeshire and i'm also working for um the adoption side um, at cambridgeshire county council and then working in the community so i do um, i am currently redesigning all my website and everything but at the moment the website is journey to relaxation.com excellent um that's also the instagram page facebook is relax kids cambridgeshire with jolene um as i say that hasn't got all of my um offerings Mm. on yes yeah so that's kind of um where i am at the moment fantastic so people can come find you um if you if you have a look at the uh, podcast i will be putting all the details on there when this uh, episode goes out so people will be able to find out exactly where it is that you are and how to access your wonderful service but other than that we could talk about this uh, subject and have done <laughs> for a number of hours <laughs> uh, but i think that is a, a great place to to end our conversation today and f- to allow people to go and find out more about you and what it is that you do so on that note thank you so much for your time Jolene it's been an absolute pleasure speaking to you today on the podcast thank you you're very welcome thank you for having me Danielle you've been listening to the it is what it is podcast presented by Danielle Bridge and produced by Defresh Productions